If you ever wonder or have to answer your children's questions of why does God not make his presence known to us in the modern day? Why does he not walk among us? Why does he not come in the clouds? Why does he not make things obvious? Biblically speaking, all we have to do is look at our first reading where the people, Moses at Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy is the last proclamation, the last speech that Moses gave to the people. So this is after the 40 years of wandering in the desert and the original generation has died off. So he's speaking to those who were the children under 18 before or, or who were born sometime during that 40 years of wandering in the desert. But the people, their parents, maybe their grandparents, had said, let us not hear the voice of God of the Lord our God, the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, lest we die. And we remember that in Ex, I believe it's Exodus, if it's not, it's early part of Numbers, that they're out at Mount Sinai, and God is at the top, and he invites all of the people of Israel to come up to the mountain. But they're scared, and they say this, we don't want to see God's face, we will die. And God respects our free will so much that he continues that promise to those people and their children, us, to the present day. Basically, we asked for it. So you can answer your kids that. It's your parents' fault. It's your great, 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 great grandparents' fault, or whatever you want to say. Now that's the bad news. The good news is that God told Moses, I will raise up for you another prophet. You will not be lost without my word, without my love. There will be another prophet like yourself, Moses, for the people to listen to. And Moses, for the Jewish people, is the greatest prophet. And it makes perfect sense. He saw God face to face, and he walked with him. And for 40 years, Moses listened to God directly and spoke on behalf of God to the people, more than any other prophet. Most of the other prophets had their words from God just given to them, spoken to them. But Moses saw them. Moses saw God face to face. And of course, we know that Jesus is that other prophet, so to speak. He's a priest, a prophet, a king. He's fully divine. He's fully human. But he is the fulfillment of this promise that God made to Moses, that Jesus, the prophet, will come and people will be forced to listen to him in the sense that even the demons, he has the authority and power of God. Even the demons are forced to listen to him, to obey him when he gives his command. Get out of him. Come out of him. And the demon did, because the demon had no other option. Jesus gives us other commands throughout the Bible, throughout the Gospels especially, Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. And this is what leads us to the second reading, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Now, when Paul is writing about being single or being married and anxiety and whether we have a divided heart with the world and God or we are fully committed to God, If you read this and you read this carefully, he's writing it in such a way that he's excited about this. He knows this isn't an obligation. This is just like when in our own life we found something, exercise, a cooking app that has all the right recipes, when we tell our parents, stop 
stressing about the news. Turn off the TV. It will only make you more depressed. For your own health and well-being, and anybody with elderly parents knows this or knows something like this, there's for your own benefit, just do this. Just act like this. Just be this way. And not in a bad way, this will help you. I've experienced something good. Well, this is one of the reasons I tell people to come to confession on a monthly basis, because I've experienced the benefit, the goodness of that, of having a clean heart, a clean soul, and feeling God's mercy no matter how many times I trip up, no matter what I've fallen about, what I've sinned over. It's a beautiful and wonderful thing that we shouldn't be afraid of, even though it's never pleasant to go to confession. But it's because I've experienced something good. We've all experienced something good. Again, maybe exercise that you can't explain. You just have to have the other person experience it. That's really the only way for them to know what it is you're talking about. And so when Paul is talking about whether being single or being married, he's not saying, and he doesn't say, one is better than the other. He does say that being single, staying a virgin, whether man or woman, your heart and your mind, so your heart, remember, is not just your feelings, it is your whole, it's the core of your being. It's your feelings, it's your imagination, it's your intellect, it's your mind. And just think of a monk, a monk or a nun in a cloister. All they have is to focus on God and the beauty of growing closer to him and the beauty of having him in their life in a deep and exact way. Paul's not saying that married people are not holy or they can't be as holy. He's just saying that You have more time for God, more time for the Lord when you're single, when you're a virgin, when you focus on the Lord. Because he also knows, and he doesn't say this, but he also knows that there are married people that are holier than me, holier than him. Oh, yeah. There are married people that are not doing so good, morally speaking. And there are religious who are great and holy. And there are religious who have failed us miserably. And we can even look at our own archdiocese and point to a couple of priests. We can look to the church at large and look at priests and bishops. It's not the position, it's not the vocation itself that makes a person holy or good. It's listening to the prophet. It's listening to Jesus. It's devoting ourselves to the Lord with an undivided heart as much as possible. Because he did tell us, he does command us to love our neighbor as ourself. And little children are our neighbors as well. So if we're loving our neighbor, we're loving God. If we're loving our children, we're loving God. But we also need to take the time in the midst of this world that we live in to not just say that, but to also spend some quality time. Again, resting in the Lord, resting in Scripture, praying, carving out some time, 10 minutes, 30 minutes a day, whatever you can afford, to really pray and not just say, and not just rationalize, this is for myself as well, that, well, I'm always thinking about God, so that's a prayer. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being with Jesus in the synagogue, not just knowing, well, Jesus is in town right now. I'm at home. He's in the synagogue. You know, it's not just I think about him all the time, but do I ever listen to him? Do I let him talk? Am I trying to be fully obedient, fully subservient, fully at his discretion? Am I really trying to please the Lord? Is what we're asked of today. 
But the beautiful and wonderful thing is, even if in the past we were like the people at Mount Horeb, which is Mount Sinai, that said, we don't want to see the Lord face to face because we might die. It might be too much for us. We're scared. Even when we do this, God still approaches us in the church, in the sacraments, in our personal prayer. He doesn't let us go. He meets us where we're at, which is a beautiful and wonderful thing. He meets us through our priests. He meets us through our parents, through our teachers, through our children. He meets us through our enemies. He meets us through the people we love and the people we can't get along with. He meets us in times of struggle and anxiety. He meets us in times of peace and joy and happiness. He meets us in times of sickness and illness. He is a Lord that loves us. He is a Lord that desires us. He is a Lord that wants us to know him for who he is. And he gives us the grace and the ability to go forward, especially this week, to commit ourselves and recommit ourselves to learning Jesus, learning who Jesus is, loving Jesus, and being with him.